to reviewing another show from the GOAT. Welcome to Hand of Cloth. Sixty-four, fan of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Andres. Hello, welcome. And English Dan. Hello. And uh, we're going to begin by once again making you wait for the headline content uh, because we know why you're all listening to this. But we're going to make you listen to some Liga Profesional discussion first of all. Oh. Um, Argentina played Australia yesterday evening, where it was played. I don't know what the time difference. Tomorrow was. evening, I think it was. Um, yes. Anyway, <laughs> for us, it was nine o'clock in the morning, and it was in Beijing, right? Yes. Yes. Somewhere in China. That was all I knew. In I will look it up for you. Right. Well, actually, no, I do know it was Beijing because I turned on at half time and the seats were visible. It's it said Beijing CF on the in the stands. The workers' stadium. So unless they play in Shanghai or something for some reason, then um, they played Australia. They won two 0 and we will talk about that in more detail a bit later. In the meantime... Anyway, the, it was, I think it was more dangerous the Chinese people that were to, to the airport than the proper Australian uh, players, I think. There were huge amount of people. Yeah. And they said that they never lived something like that, which is incredible, taking into account that they were here in Argentina after winning the World Cup. Hmm. But it was just incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people in China in general, to be fair. Yes, so. indeed there are. Um, the results from the Liga Profesional since last we recorded uh, are Barracas Central nil, Rosario Central nil. I have a feeling that that one had happened quite early in the afternoon. When it we had already taken place when we recorded, yes. And then since we last recorded, Independiente 2, Sarmiento nil, Platense 1, Tigre nil, Boca 1, Lanús 1, Tacheres 1, Arsenal nil. Those were all on Saturday. Uh, apart from the Independiente one, which was later on the Friday. Uh, there were no games on Sunday because of the Under-20 World Cup final in La Plata. Um, and then on Monday, Newell's 1, Union 1, San Lorenzo 0, Central Córdoba 0, Banfield 1, River 4, uh, Vélez 0, Argentinos 1, and Instituto 1, Racing 1. And on Tuesday evening, the weekend came to a close, in a manner of speaking, with Colón 1, Estudiantes 0, Defensa y Justicia 2, Belgrano 0, Atlético Tucumán 3, Godoy Cruz 1, and Gimnasia. Two I've got here. Pardon? Two I've got here. 2-1 to Atlético Tucumán. It says 3. Hmm. Having said that, it also, if I actually go into the um, chronology of the match, has two goals marked on for Atlético Tucumán, as well as one cancelled, and then a consolation for Godoy Cruz, and full-time 2-1, even though at the top it says 3-1. So, Atletico <laughs> Tucumán 2, Godoy Cruz 1. Uh, I apologise for that, but really the apology should be coming from the people who do sofa score. And Gimnasia y Esgrima La Plata 1, Huracán 0. Hopefully only one of those scorelines was incorrect. 
If Which not, one, what did you say for the last one? One nil for Himnasia. Correct. Yes. Good. That's a relief. Um, and in the World Cup, uh, Israel finished third, I think, beating they did. South Korea. South Korea three-one in the third place playoff. You're supposed to say South Korea or Korean Republic or Republic of Korea. I mean, we're supposed to say it officially is the Korean Republic. Right. But, you know, people know it as South Korea. Yeah. Um, and uh, you've not got my stride down. Uruguay Sorry. beat Italy 1-0 in the final to claim Uruguay's first world championship um, at national team level in 73 years. Yes, been a while. And indeed their first under-20 World Cup, full stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so welcome back to the top table, Uruguayan football, obviously not under Marcelo Bielsa because he wasn't managing the under-20s. but Thoroughly deserved as well. An auspicious start for his management. And a very good competition. Dan will talk a little bit more about that for us uh, a bit later on since although it's not Argentine football as such, it is football that's been happening in Argentina. And let's be honest, how many other football podcasts have you listened to this week that have talked at length about the Under-20 World mm. Cup in English? Plus I'm sure at least some of these players will be seeing in Argentina... At some point. Yes, and one of them we have been seeing um, in the Premier League. <laughs> at least one of them that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, Uruguayans are 20s? Oh, no, of course he doesn't play no, no, in the no. 20s, does he? He's already no, with the, no, national, no, no, the no. big national team. But anyway, let's continue. Um, <laughs> from the weekend then, Andres, you weren't here last week. We missed you dearly. Ooh. Why don't you tell us about... I mean, it is also the standout scoreline from the ones that I've just read, particularly given that it turns out there were only three goals in Atletico Tucumán Godoy Cruz. Um, River definitely did score four against Banfield. Two of them came from Lucas Beltran. One of them came from Pablo Solari. And the fourth, deep into stoppage time, came from goal machine, <laughs> Salomon Rondon. Um, Banfield's consolation pulled, pulled it back to 2-1 right on the stroke of, oh no, five minutes before half-time from a penalty, came from Milton Jimenez. Um... What did you make of it? Rondon, by scoring that goal, made it equals with uh, with uh, Pablo Herrera. We have been talking before starting uh, before we started the rec- uh, recording that Pablo Herrera had, had scored three until uh, so far, and Rondon had scored two. Incredibly, when he scored twice uh, against Huracan, I thought, well, finally Rondon is here and he will give us. Uh, uh, well, I, he will score more, and 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 he will show he, he his level. Well, nothing of that happened until the other day, in which well he scored four goal, of course, out of four, and with the uh, Banfield defense, which was they did everything possible for River to score. Uh, uh, it's fair to say, and River took advantage of that because. Great, great difference between Banfield and River was that Banfield, from the very first minute, showed they were they will be uh, quite bad uh, defending. Yeah, they uh, demonstrated why they're so far down the table. Because River, uh, especially against Fluminense for Copa Libertadores, where he, they won two 0 but uh, missed a lot of chances, and this time against Banfield for Liga Profesional, it was. The other way around, I think I I, I didn't count the, the 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 goal situations, but they might might have four, have four or five, well six perhaps, hmm. and they score four. 
Yeah, this says shots on target, seven for right. Rudder. So they scored more than half of their shots on target, which tells you something. Um, it, funny thing is that uh, one of the centre-backs of Anfield is called Luis Mago. It's like a magician, but not, uh, uh, I think, in well, magician for, for the wrong reasons. I the think. Venezuelan? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been around for a while, yeah. Yes. Um, Never been particularly good, despite his cool name. Has he been at Banfield for a while? Uh, doesn't ring a bell, I must say. No, no. Okay, apparently he played in last year's Liga Profesional before as well, so he's been there for at least a year, though, so... Well, um, the, he took part of, of the first two goals, actively of the first two goals, um, scored for River, but River scored, um, with Beltran being, I think, outrageous at this time, uh, being everything he touches, if he doesn't end in a goal, it is close to that, because he's at the... He's on fire. He's also, I, I was thinking while I was watching it, that he, he has to be the next Elvis conveyor belt of, of River centre-forwards who end up getting sold to Europe for a decent fee. plus a He's being compared to Julian Alvarez for that, because of that, I think. That's yeah. a ridiculous conversation. Yeah, yes. I, mean, comparison, I, I would though. agree that he's, he's not as good as Julian Alvarez, yeah. but... He's, I mean, I, I he's a laddie, basically. Yes. He's a, a laddie. I saw a couple of... Um, Let's just headlines. calm the fuck down a bit. Like. I saw a couple of headlines yesterday suggesting that there was some medium-sized to big Italian clubs interested and thought, yeah, could see Genoa, all right that kind of level. Atalanta, yeah, that kind of... And right after Matteo Rattei has been called up for, for Italy national, national team, it was said that Beltran was also on the radar of, the, of them. Mm. Uh, well, uh, I think that the comparison comes because he also plays outside the box, but yes, no, nothing to do with one with, with the other. Um, the thing is that he's scoring and he's being quite accurate because he's uh, scoring, uh, I think, yes, uh, most of the chances he has, mm. which is very difficult for a striker. Um, and yes, I think the, uh, there wasn't so ball touching from River, I mean, not elaboration of the place uh, so smoothly like uh, uh, happened in the, in the first matches with the Michelis, but uh, being like scoring, it's you have a chance to score, uh, and Banfield, well, it's they are showing why uh, they are in the almost bottom of the table and struggling not to to be relegated. Though that I think we will talk about this later, but they, there was a rumor, or, or apparently it will happen, that there won't be three relegations but two. Yes, we're going to talk about that but, a later. Well, Banfield is in a, a weak situation talking about that and well, River took advantage, of course, of that. Yeah, Beltran is third um, in the league, it says here, for goals per minutes per goal. <laughs> goals per minute. Um, he's scored one every 108 minutes he's played. He is behind Juan Miritello of Defensa Justicia, who's got a goal every 105 minutes. And Nahuel Bustos of Tacheres, who has scored a goal every 68 minutes that he's played, which sounds frankly ridiculous, but does provide a nice segue onto Tacheres, who are second in the table, um, following that, uh, both them and River winning. They've maintained a four-point gap. Obviously, River have a game in hand yes. due to the uh, stuff that we talked well, about last week. By scoring four, River, I, I, they have better goal difference, but they equalise the... Amount of goals. Oh, they did, yeah. 
Both teams have got 35 goals scored. Uh, River have conceded 12, Tacheres have conceded 17. Um, so River's goal difference is five better off. Um, Tacheres got a 1-0 win over Arsenal. Only goal of the game came from Michael Santos, who I think is the top scorer in the league at the moment. He is, with 12 goals, ahead of Pablo Vegetti on 11 and Mateo Retegui on 10. Um, but I think no, he hasn't scored any penalties, I think. Possibly not. I can tell you very I think that the difference between him and Cal- He has not scored a single penalty. Called Terucho, for example, who scored, I think, half of the goals he scored were by penalties. Mm. He, had, he started a little bit slowly and then caught fire. He scored against, in his, thir- in, yeah, his third match of the year against um, Boca. He scored one there. He scored the following week, scored one against Central Cordoba. Scored two and got two assists in the 4-2 win away to Platense the week after that. Yeah, and he's fifth a, in the assist charts as well. Yeah. And then he had a bit of a fallow period. He scored one and got one assist against Barracas Central on the 7th of April. Uh, but apart from that, th- that, those were his only goal and his only assist uh, between the 25th of February, when he had that fantastic performance against Platense, and the 30th of April. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches during which he only got one goal and one assist. And then he got a hat-trick against Rosario Central. Followed that up in the next game with two goals and an assist against, sorry, Dan, Racing. Oh, um, that game was very painful. And has now scored again against, well, uh, sorry, scored again against Tigre and has now scored again the only goal of the game against Arsenal after being benched for the only time this season. Oh, but it's in the Copa Argentina against Chacarita uh, last week. Yeah, last week. In fact, Tachet will be the next rival of River, I think. Mm. Oh. Yes, they are. That one. We mentioned it last week. We, yes, we did, didn't we? Because we went through all the fixtures. Yeah. Um, so well done to well to him and to Tacheres for getting the win against Arsenal. Neither of you watched the match, did you? No. Uh, when was it? Uh, it was on the 10th of June. Was that Saturday, right? Yes. I didn't watch anything Saturday because the night before I went to an asylum. Oh, you did, didn't you? It ran late. Right, and... I spent the entirety of Saturday basically in a coma. That must be loads of fun when you've got a really tiny kid who likes to run around screaming. No, oh, you know. What can you do? <laughs> uh, San Lorenzo, you might remember them from the early days of the season when they were keeping pace with River, or trying to do so and doing a pretty good job of clinging onto their coattails at least. Um, but they have slackened off a little bit because... As we were saying at the time, they didn't score enough, or they were scoring just about enough at the beginning of the season, and now they've stopped scoring. They're still not conceding. They've still only conceded seven goals um, from these opening 20 matches. Uh, But they've now now scored fewer goals than matches played. They've only got 19-4 after another 0-0, as Dan says, at home to Central Cordoba. Um, And they really should have won it, looking just at the raw numbers. Possession, far more shots, far more shots on target, far, far more. Um, but just couldn't put any of them in the onion bag. That makes it three consecutive nil-nils in all competitions and six in their last ten games. Hmm. Which is not good. No. It's not terrible, but it's not good. That's kind of the definition of a nil-nil draw, right? Yes, I, I suppose it is, yeah, depending on who it's against, obviously. I mean, not particularly no. difficult... Um, Opponents either no, Colón at home, Palestino at home, Central Córdoba at home. Yeah, you think you know you can nick it all of those games one nil, 
I mean, to put that into perspective, obviously Palestine aren't in the Argentine League, uh, but Colón at the moment are 17th and Central Cordoba are 16th. And San Lorenzo. And just before that, they lost that lost to Barraca Central, who are also not exactly flying high. Yeah, and uh, before that Barraca Central match, San Lorenzo were second in the table. In fact, I think they were still second in the table going into this weekend, just gone, weren't they? Because Tacheros have overtaken them just now. Um, yes. So they really should have been aiming to get more points from those three matches. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least one win would have yeah. been useful. Um, but it looks like they're. It's, I think it's decent taking it on the team they have. And that one year ago they were praying not to be in a relegation zone. Mm. Now they, I think, of course, it's. Not yeah, I don't think they're going to be too upset. Um, top five, top six would be fantastic for yeah. San Lorenzo, considering how bad they were before. It feels disappointing, I imagine, for San Lorenzo fans at the moment, given how they started the season. But yeah. if you'd said to them, look, 20 games in, you're going to be third in the table. Uh, in fact, three or four games. Points, then they I would have taken it, yeah. would have bitten your arm off. In fact, three or four, or four games ago, they were head to head with River. Yeah. Now it look, looks to be Tacheres, the one who will fight hmm. for, against River for the title. But Again. Yes. Um, Boca were held in the Bombonera 1 1 by Lanús. Leandro Diaz opened the scoring for Lanús on the stroke of half time. Boca got an equaliser, a late equaliser, and a VAR confirmed equaliser. Uh, through Dario Benedetto in the 88th minute. Um, was this the one that I thought was just a looked a hair offside when they shot? I think it was. There was a Paul Fernandez's run to make the pass. When they showed the replay and froze it, I thought it looks slightly closer to the sort of mm. mode line along the pitch than the defender did to me, but they allowed it. Um, they, 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 there is a, a discussion with the lines they. Yeah. They draw in the in the bar. Sometimes you look like it's accurate. Sometimes. Well, on the TV replay of this one, they didn't show the lines, and so I was just kind of eyeballing it and thinking that. I mean, it was very, very, very tight, and as I have said more than once, uh, I would not want to be a linesman. And now with VAR, that should be an easier job. But I'm not sure I want to Apparently be a linesman. Um, but no, you have to remember that, uh, for example, Diego Abal has been fired from yes. the from the from AFA because of the bar mistakes. Hmm. Yeah, uh, but I mean, all he had to do was not give an offside from a corner. I mean, if you can't get that right, you probably deserve to be sacked. You know, I'm, I'm all for job security for everyone, but you know, there are limits. Yeah, um, but overall, I thought Boca were worth the point, given okay, they fell back, they fell behind quite early, right? Because Diaz scored in the was it like the fifteenth minute or something? Oh no, it wasn't. I, I said already the stroke of half time. But throughout the second half, um, Boca did a good job of rallying. and Yeah, but still a weird one from Boca. It, it's, it's, just... a, it's a disappointing result for them, especially at home, in the Bombonera, especially being Boca. And so but I think that they... Just looking at the match on its own, I thought... They know that they are in the, in the fight of for a title, and, and they had already been qualified for Copa Libertadores mm. round of 16 yeah. The, yeah. the previous week. So I think that they played... Of course, they. I don't think they are happy... Having a, a draw against Lanús, home condition, but if you take if you think about that, uh, it's not that. Oh yes, we wanted to win because we, we want to reach River yeah. in the top of the league. Um, but I think in more general terms, it just shows kind of Boca just can't quite get it together. Still, like they're not as bad as they were, you know, in March, April, where they were losing every game, and obviously 
Um, although Ibarra got sacked because of it. But they just can't get... They just can't put their wins together, you know. They get a positive result and then set back. They have to go back and redesign it, get another decent result. It's just like winning two or three games in a row has been pretty much impossible for them over the last six months or so. Like, that's really what they need uh, they, to They don't depend going. anymore on yeah. Bicha. Bicha yes, is not playing lost. anymore. I was about to say that Sebastian Bicha is, for reasons that Dan and I discussed on the previous episode, mm. uh, at long last... Fortunately, not a name that we're going to be hearing as much of, or indeed, in our case, saying as much of. You're going to be hearing it much less um, for the rest of this season, by the look of it. Unfortunately for Boca, right after that, Luca Langoni got injured. Yes. Which leaves them rather threadbare. Yeah, they played with Juan Ramirez and Oscar Romero on the left side of what SofaScore is portraying as a five-man midfield um, the other day, and neither of them did. Muscle of that well. I mean, Oscar Romero, we all know, is a tremendous talent, but he's very much someone who turns up when he fancies Yeah, <laughs> blows up the card. So, we'll see how they, they go from there. It is a big set of boots to fill. Um, but, on the other hand, you know, it's the right decision to make. Just oh, yeah, absolutely. Moral point of view. Absolutely. Um, anything else to wrap up, gents? Results-wise, performances-wise? I think that the main oh. topic to talk about... Um, this week is, as Andres mentioned earlier, the very real possibility, having, we discussed this just last week and joked that, oh, well, with the AFA you never know, uh, and then a couple of days later they came out and said that they were going to have a meeting to decide whether or not to scrap one of the relegation spots for this season that we are currently 20 games into already. But, it's been a twist. Oh, this is, must be a recent example. I believe someone got on the blower, like a journalist got on the blower with... Chiquitapia yeah. in China. And apparently he knew nothing about it. <laughs> and he said he's Excellent. gonna do everything to, to to kill this in the cradle, basically. Essentially, the story was so as Dan corrected me uh, last week because I thought it was two down from the annual table and one down from the promedio, and it's actually the other way round. And the um, story was that because there are a whole bunch of teams struggling in the Promedio, including some relatively big names. Uh, let's just get the Promedio up now. Oh, God, I've, I've got the website here, but I can't find it. There are so many tables on Promiedos now that it's difficult to find the relegation one. Uh, here we are. So, some sort of weighty names in AFA politics, like Atletico Tucumán, Banfield... Um, Arsenal. I don't know whether they've got any goodwill left over from the Grand Prix. What's the news there? It would mean that they're not completely and totally screwed if one of those promedial relegation spots was taken off. They might be able to claw themselves back up. Um, and various other sides, like not big five teams, but teams who are pretty big in sort of the interior of the country and with the AFA wanting to be a more federal organisation, that's important for them. Uh, had kicked up a fuss and said, look, we, we don't want to be in with a chance of getting relegated. And so the talk was that this meeting was going to be held and they were going to do away with one of those plots and then it would be one relegated from the annual table, one relegated from the promedios, and that that would remain the case for the next few years and so we're going to have a 28-team. The, other, ex the other excuse is that the World Cup will be held with more participants, more, more, more teams. So why can't we? Oh, well, that's What's that got to do with the price of fish? <laughs> yeah. um, Let me try and find this because I definitely saw something like yeah. Tapio just coming back on it and saying... He didn't want anything to do. I mean, if he has, then that's excellent because 
obviously, as we know, what the Afford president says is going to happen tends to be what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, it's all race hands. And, and although we're not going to trust anybody who happens to be Afford president at any particular time, I will say that Jiggy Tapia has perhaps earned a little bit of political weight at this particular moment, given the national team and uh, stuff. So this was... Ah, this is what I saw, yes. Um... Just from a journalist Twitter, so I'll take it with a pinch of salt. Apparently he was in the middle of his trip to China when it came out, heard of it and said, no, this isn't going to happen. Um, the assembly is going to happen anyway, but Tapia will tell them, basically, yes, everyone. Because Tapia doesn't like it, the majority will change their vote and follow his line. Mm. And in fact, looking at Barakas Central's position in the Provedio, that's not unbrave from him, because they're one of the teams who are kind mm. of down there. Um, I mean, we talk about Godoy Cruz and Lanús being in the relegation mix just about, and Barakas Central are just beneath both of them. So, you know, he's, he's potentially falling on his own sword there, albeit it seems unlikely because mm. there are various teams far lower down who are in much more trouble um, but the relegation situation at the moment is that in the Promenio table Arsenal are rock bottom and assuming that this change does not go through uh, are basically screwed they are on uh, I think they're screwed whatever happens to be honest they're on 97 points from 99 matches Instituto have 22 points from 20 matches and a second bottom of the average table and Platense, who are the team who Arsenal... Well, I guess, actually, if Instituto managed to get a few wins, then really Arsenal need to be looking at Sarmiento about Platense. Platense have got 113 points from 99 games, and Sarmiento have 114 points from 99 games, as do Banfield. Um, so that is... If Arsenal want to sort of really push ahead and make things comfortable, then they would need to catch Sarmiento and Banfield, who are... 100, what's that? 14 points above them? They're a long way behind, yeah. Um, with, admittedly, quite a few matches to go because we've got eight rounds, seven rounds of the current seven league Seven rounds of this to go and then 14. 14. Rounds of, so 21 matches still to go this year uh, as far as this table is concerned. But it's not looking good for them. And in the league table, the bottom spot is currently occupied by Arsenal. But that's a little bit closer. Yes. Uh, obviously, only the bottom team go down or... If that bottom team is Arsenal or whoever else, and they defeated the River game. and Boca, that is <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> Those are two of their five five wins so far this this year. Yeah, um, and Sam. If if sorry, Dan. If uh, I thought I'm going to say the same thing. If one team finishes in the relegation zone in both tables, then the they would be relegated on the basis of their promedio, and therefore in the annual table, the next bottom team would go down. And currently. That is three teams tied on points, and as you might remember from years past, if you're a long-term listener, the APA does not do goal difference for important things like titles and cup competition. I think I think they might do it for cup qualifying now, uh, but they didn't used to. And for relegation, they just make those teams play off in a round-robin tournament, or if there's only two of them, they just play off in one match uh, to decide who goes down. So if the season were to end right now, or with identical standings to what it is right now, Banfield, Huracan and Benes who are all tied on 18 points so far this year, 
would all have to play in a three-team round robin to decide oh. who went down. Be so good. Which you know, if you were wondering why Ricardo Garica stood down last week, now now mm. that might uh, help to answer. Although some of that was probably against his will as well. I don't know. We we talked about it briefly last yeah. week, but it sounded like it just had enough. Come out since yeah. then, but he basically was a bit fed up with the lack of backing he got from the board. I think wasn't he? Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, um, but. Never a dull day in Argentine football administration. <laughs> that was that was just what I was going to say. Um, just about the playoff. Mm. But at the moment, yeah. It was something I'd completely forgotten about until I read it a couple of days ago. I was like, yes, of course, playoffs. playoffs those those yeah. are things that they used to do here uh, for ridiculous reasons like that. And that would be <laughs> well, you will have uh, in the second semester with the Copa and La Liga mm. a lot of playoffs. Well, yes. yeah, but that's, that's a knockout tournament, isn't it? So. Um, but um, yes that and also another thing that I was I can't remember whether I was reminded or whether I learnt this for the first time when reading about all of this stuff about oh they're going to hold an assembly and potentially get rid of one of these slots is that the original agreement and therefore by implication I guess the agreement that Dan's um, unnamed Twitter journalist has implied is going to as I say pinch of salt pinch of salt yeah um, but the original agreement is for them to eventually do away with the part that the Promedios are playing in the relegation altogether in, mm. I think, three seasons' time. So at the end of 2024, at the end of 2025, I think, yeah. would be the last relegations that would involve any Promedios at all. And then in 2026, three teams going down based on the annual table. I must say I'm sceptical. They're already doing it in the lower divisions, and they, I mean, I mean, they're yeah, but no one cares about the lower divisions. <laughs> you can just just based on how much everyone is shitting themselves already with that single re- annual relegation um, uh, place. To go through that with like three or even four relegation places, where God forbid, Racing could be down there. In the Benyenti the could be down there. Boca could be down there even. The thing that I Evans don't get is, is that the big clubs are all still so afraid of this idea. <laughs> even after it was the Promedios that relegated River. Mm. Like they, they put the Promedios in and they go, oh, you know, we're doing this so that none of the big clubs can, can go down. Mm. In none of the three seasons, we mentioned this at the time, obviously, but it's been 12 years now. So it bears repeating. In none of the three seasons that River got relegated for, would they have been relegated if there had been a in inverted commas, proper relegation yeah. system in place. I mean, they finished sixth the season that they went down. <laughs> it's the same with a uh, slightly different example, but similar with Tigre. The year they won the Copa de la Liga. Yes. Uh, they ended up finishing in a fairly comfortable mid-table position in the actual annual table for that year, but got relegated based on the promedio. Which is, again, it's, so I don't understand why they're all so afraid. of. Oh no, but what if we play poorly in one year? Well, you could play just a bit below average in a bunch of years and then end up going down. That's more dangerous, right? I mean, Yes, for a grande, it's, it's quite strange to have three awful seasons like River had yeah. uh, 12 years ago. Uh, so yes, it's incredible how they, they don't want to, to apply the, 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 the promedios when it's, benefit, it's a benefit for them. I think it's, they know that, you know, odds are they're always going to have like a San Lorenzo, you know, two absolutely diabolical seasons there now where without even doing a whole amount, 
they're third, fourth in the table, and they're yeah. just going to get that bump to the Premiers. Especially if you know 30, 28 teams in the league, like the odds are are in their favour. Yeah, because San Lorenzo, at the moment, to use this as an example, since you brought it up, are ninth in the Promedio table. Um, then I feel um, like this isn't really a grandis issue. I feel like it's more that kind of m- middle mass. Yeah. Vélez, Lanús, Banfield. Well, and as I said, a bunch of... Tigre, Huracán. And the kind of mass. big interior clubs. Got yeah. Cruz, Who know they can have a completely shit season. Mm. Um, but over the course of three years, we'll probably just do enough to be ahead of the Arsenals, ahead of the Sarmientos, ahead of the Patronatos, and, and be safe. Yeah. And there's also a reason that some of the teams aren't too fond on the idea of making the top flight smaller again when they're a clear. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I can, you know. It's for a long time now, far too many teams in the top flight. I mean, it's Turkey's working for Christmas, obviously. If you yeah. leave it up to the clubs, they're going to they're gonna say we want more, more, more clubs in the first Indeed division. Indeed, they are. Have there been any Copa Argentina matches since? Yesterday, then? yes. Alosivi played San Martín de San Juan. <clears throat> yes, and that was a shock. In uh, as much as the, what we would think of as the maybe bigger team. Was that a shock? Really? What, uh, what divisions are they in? Almosini are in the Primera Nacional, San Martín de San Juan are in the Primera Nacional. Every and, team's in the Primera Nacional. And it was decided by a 94th minute goal yeah. from Jonathan Blanco. But San so Martín de San Juan were in the... No shock at all. They were in the top flight for a long time. Yes, they were, yeah. I, I sort of... Uh, well, the CB2, but the... Uh, I think what happened no. was that I looked at that and then completely... Failed to register which San Martín it was. Easily done. I mean, there are a lot of them. But, yeah, San Martín are through. Aldo City are out. Uh, Instituto had already beaten Deportivo de Riestra when we recorded last week, I think, haven't they? That was played on the 7th. So that was before last Friday. Mm-hmm. Yes, because last Friday was the 9th. That was when we recorded. Uh, still remaining in this round are Banfield versus Argentino de Merlo. That is being played on... The 19th. Monday. Interesting mm-hmm. evening for a Copa Argentina game. And Godoy Cruz versus Defensores Unidos, which is, it says here, but this is sofa score, so take it with a pinch of salt, is being played on the 27th of June. Yes. Uh, it That's seems strange to me that there would be a Copa Argentina match. There should be... definitive date that far I, in advance. I thought there would be more, more matches for Copa Argentina on, on Monday or Tuesday. Providing they, they, there won't be any uh, uh, Liga, the uh, Primera División round oh, because, because of it's the uh, Ferriado, isn't it? And they, there is the FIFA, FIFA round also. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite right. Um, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for now, anyway, I think that we will call a half-time break. Yes. I'm going to tweet a request for questions because I forgot to do that before we started recording. So yes, if people are quick, then they might. Maybe your question will be answered. All I will add, Sam, I'm not going to say anything about the game because it was horribly forgettable, but Racing's game, Liga Profesional Games Without Defeat uh, chart is now up to three. So we're happy about that. Congratulations. Yes. That's the only positive thing I can say about whatever the hell happened about on Monday night. When we return, uh, we shall talk about some more of this stuff and also about Argentina versus Australia and what we expect from Argentina versus Indonesia. So stick around to find out.
Argentina, as we said at the top of the show, played against Australia. Um, for us, it was this morning. It was about, well, in fact, it was exactly 11 and a half hours ago that it kicked off as we record this at half past eight, as I'm speaking, um, on Argentine time on Thursday evening. I'm clarifying that partly because this I'm going to have to um, edit and upload this episode a little bit later than I normally would, so this will be going online on Friday Argentine time, and I'm sure we'll have some listeners from Australia for whom it will already be like early hours of Sunday morning, maybe by the time I uh, get this online. So, the first thing to do is to apologise to those listeners from Australia, because I don't know whether Andres did, uh, but certainly me and Dan both admitted <laughs> before we started recording that we had... I won't say we underestimated Australia. I think it was more that we didn't really register who it was Argentina were playing and just went, oh, it's an Argentina friendly, so they'll have picked some really easy rival. And then it was only when we actually got up to watch the game that we were like, oh, hang on, they played Australia in the World Cup a few mm. months ago and it was a really tough game. Plus, in my case, I'd, I'd, I was actually up before because I had to take uh, Nahuel to nursery. Mm. And by the time I got in, it was about five past nine and Argentina had already scored. Mm. So I was like, oh, yeah, here we go again. Indeed. And then it wasn't until about half an hour in it actually could, oh, this is Australia, yeah. They're good. Yeah, if they're up for it, then it'll be well, a tough I game. I registered that Argentina will play Australia, but I I somehow knew, I mean, knew. I, I, I expected a victory. Though I know Australia are a decent team or a decent rival. In fact, for the World Cup, mm. it was quite tough. Uh, uh, Dibu Martinez saved that play in the last minute that we'll have sent them to the extra time. But I, I knew, I, I, I thought that Argentina will defeat. Of course, it's a friendly and it's not the same mistake. But uh, uh, I, I didn't think of Australia as a quite tough rival. No. Though they are decent, but to defeat Argentina, you have to, I think, be, be better than Argentina in the, at this point. Yes. But who is? Brazil, huh? France, huh? Saudi Arabia, the only, <laughs> yeah. the only possible answer to that yeah, question. In yeah. the last four years now, nearly. No, three yeah. years. Three years? When was, the, when was the Copa America? Two years ago. Mm. It feels like much longer because of that massive long unbeaten run that they went on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so, you know, light-hearted apologies to our Australian listeners for doing that. Uh, if we had registered, obviously, fully that if they were playing Australia, then we would have been slightly less bullish, perhaps. Um, but obviously Argentina started as favourites and as Dan says there was a very very early goal indeed Ooh. a goal that means that Lionel Messi has now scored in 89 of the available minutes in which one can score statistically speaking in a football match because if you score in stoppage time at the end of the first or second halves it goes down as the 45th or 90th minute um, he hasn't scored still in the first minute no. and that is because he's a fraud who does not deserve to be playing football. Sleeps through the first minute of games, apparently. Indeed, absolutely. Um, not professional. And in so doing, obviously, therefore, you will have worked this out already, if you've been paying attention, it was the earliest goal of his career. Um, and it was a very nicely taken goal. Oh, beautiful goal. Classic Messi. Absolutely classic. beautiful, yeah. In, in many ways. <laughs> Although, of course, um, according to all the River fans I saw on Twitter, it wouldn't have been anything without the glorious assist from Enzo Fernandes. Yeah, well, Enzo Fernandes has to take his assists where he can get them now, because he's not going to get very many... He's very much in the Negro Enrique um, <laughs> no, but it was class of assists. Quite similar play to the first 
that time of Enzo Fernandez with the national team, it was also in a friendly before the World Cup. Yeah. It was Sal Salvador, Honduras, or Nicaragua, someone from Central America. Mm. Yes, uh, Central America, and uh, it was quite quite similar because uh, Enzo Fernandez pressed a rival. Uh, 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 he did a very good job, yeah. Yes, yeah, winning the ball back and um, getting it. I'm being a little bit facetious just because I love seeing people completely. Um, Overreact when their favourite player does something. It was Honduras. Honduras, yes. 3 0 win. Uh, with Messi scoring the. Yeah, I think it must be the third goal because here it says Nardoro Martinez opened the scoring with an assist from Papu Gomez. Messi scored a penalty to, for the second goal and Messi scored for the third goal, but it doesn't give anybody who made an assist. Uh, but yeah, I think it was that one, wasn't it? Um, so. Yes, Messi has scored. It was his 103rd international goal. I think 103rd, correct. Break, um, which obviously extends his men's South American international goal scoring record a little bit further. Uh, whether he's got closer to Marta or not, I'm not sure because I've not been paying attention to whether she's played and scored for Brazil at all since I last pointed out that he's only the second highest scoring South American full stop um, in international football. And he will not be adding to his tally against Indonesia. On Tuesday, Tuesday, I believe the nineteenth, which is sixteenth. Monday, Monday, uh, on Monday morning, for, morning for us, night presumably or evening for Indonesians, um, because he's now going on holiday, as he told the local television presenters Ooh. in quite an amusing interview, uh, possibly particularly vitriolic or particularly ill in the head. Fans of Inter Miami <laughs> won't be so amused by it, but uh, the. Television journalist said, are you excited now to go off and start playing for Inter Miami? And he went, no, I'm excited to go on holiday. Uh, which um, is, is fair enough, to be honest. It is, yeah. He's earned yes. a break. Yes, I like. um, But one of the interesting things, obviously, Argentina play a national team game, and we should discuss the team, but it's also inevitably always an excuse, and also it ends up happening anyway to discuss Messi. Um, is that before we started recording, we've got Tay Say Sports on, on mute, um, and one of the Chirons on the screen that I saw just as we were starting to record. Yeah, that's the name for the sort of uh, headline that they put up along the bottom of the screen during discussions. It's called a Chiron. I never knew that. I knew the name in Spanish, Zocalo, oh, yeah. but I did not yeah. know the name in English. Videograph. C-H-Y-R-O-N. So now you know. There we so go. Same thing on rolling news channels and stuff. All the headlines are yeah. Chiron. Oh. Um, so one of the Chirons that was up was asking whether this was the best version of Messi that we've ever had for the national team. I mean, I'm assuming, obviously we couldn't hear the discussion, but that it was to do with sort of the last 12 months or 24 months or so yeah. uh, of his time. And I would find it hard to say no, even at the age of 35. It's definitely the time where he's had the most support in the national team. Mm. He's had the best structure around him. Yeah, the best chemistry with his team. Whether this is the absolute best Messi, I think that's hard to argue because, you know, Messi at 24, 25 was just blistering, albeit not always for Argentina. But definitely for, I think, in international colours, yeah, sustained kind of getting results, making a difference, yeah. and just enjoying himself because you can see he really just enjoys um, playing for Argentina. You can hardly blame him after... I think, I'm going to be at PSG, but he lives for these games. 
I think what is happening since a couple of years ago, uh, taking into account World, uh, World Cup and Copa America, is that he's happier and playing better, perhaps for national team than for his team. Yeah. Which mm. some time ago was the other way around, and that, that criticized him that if Messi, uh, why Messi doesn't sign the the, the anthem, uh, and and that it was true that Barcelona was quite of the place for him or his his home and and when he came to Argentina he felt like a stranger and now it's the other way around so I think that is perhaps the point uh, that is the title for something that yes of course Messi winning winning World Cup and uh, Copa America when you didn't know whether he would win, win anything with the national team mm. of course it's a, it's a lot but yeah we said last week didn't we Dan that it kind of feels like you know whatever one thinks about his uh, performances for PSG or whatever, over the last couple of years, it has felt like when he's come back to train with the national team, it's that's been his happy place. And, mm. and that, that he's been like, okay, this is a bit of a release. and Almost like a release from the pressure, which, as I said last week, sounds a little bit weird when you bear in mind that he was still contracted to Barcelona when he won the Copa America. Um, but then I also kind of wonder whether that sort of played into it a bit as well, whether he felt like, I've won, I've, I've won something for Argentina now, so the pressure's kind of off as well, and, and that just made him more dangerous after that. I think that definitely played into it, yeah, you, you can see after the Copa America, it was kind of a different Messi, like, just let himself go a bit, not in a bad way, but you know, mm. let, him, let Messi be Messi, in a way he'd never really done in in the national team, and just play his game, and... Also, trust that the guys around him were going to do the job as well. Yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to revisit is comments from, I'm going to say the three of us, mm -hmm. but I'm quite pointedly, for the benefit of everybody who can't see this, looking at Dan when I oh, say yeah. this, when I say us and the three, and I'm not looking at Andres because, no offence, Andres, but this was before Andres got involved in the podcast because I'm thinking what back to the very early years of Hand of Pod mm. when it was me and two Dan's. It was. English and Australian. And I particularly remember Australian Dan saying it, but we all agreed, I can say that for sure, um, that we would then, 10, 12, 13 years ago, have predicted that Messi by this point in his career would have been playing central midfield. And I mean, he is playing deeper than he was, mm. but he is also, I, I think it would be fair to say, not playing as deep as we would have predicted he would be playing, if you see what I mean. I like, mean, today he almost, it was almost a double false nine alongside McAllister. Exactly, very, yeah. uh, very interesting. Whereas 12 years ago, if you'd asked us um, what position is Messi going to be playing when he's 35, we'd have almost been like, oh, maybe double five or something. Yeah. He's still playing very far forward. A he's more attacking pillow kind of thing, yeah. But he is very, very, uh, I think, yeah. I mean, something in my head is saying that Ozzy Dan even said playing a pillow star role. He must have, yeah. Um, Ozzy Dan last pillow. Indeed, exactly. Uh, but... It, it's it's interesting to see that he's still playing that, particularly given his his uh, physical issues, as if it were a, mm. a major thing. But you know these uh, the 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 genetic uh, stuff that he has, which means that he takes longer to recover from sprints mm. and whatnot. Particularly given that stuff, that he's still playing a relatively mobile um, role, relatively high up the pitch. Yeah. And I mean, okay, his goal scoring slowed down a little bit by his standards. Um, but it's still scoring plenty of goals, including at World Cups. No, it's phenomenal. Assists. It's absolutely phenomenal. We're never going to see anything like this again, you know, 
someone who for almost 20 years has been head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah. We never saw it before. You know, you think of the prime well, Pele we... years, which were extensive and incredible. Say, just like, that was just over a decade, F- say 58, 58 to 70. 70. Yeah, true, yeah. 12 years. 12 years ago, 2011. Mm. And Messi had already been in his prime for three years. Mm. No, 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 it's, yeah. it's incredible. I think um, what he does now, and it's something that only he could do, he can do, can do is to select, select and, and to know when he can participate in the, into the matches and when he cannot because of that physical, perhaps. Mm. He's also so, so smart that he knows when to and when he can be powerful or, or aggressive mm. and, and when it's not a usual for, for the team. Yeah, and I've, I think I've mentioned once or twice on this podcast that I'm a member of a um, trivia WhatsApp really? to do with football. Mm. Hello, if you're a member of that group as well and you're listening to this, because I know a couple of them do occasionally. Good evening. Uh, somebody on there commented earlier today about Jude Bellingham, for obvious reasons. Mm. Again, I will remind you, we are recording this on Thursday the 15th of June. He's just signed for Real Madrid. He apparently that... said in his um, press conference today that he was a big Sid Lowe fan. Oh, really? With Sid in attendance, yeah. Oh, that explains a tweet that I saw from Sid <laughs> just before we started recording this. So, uh, I, I missed that. Yeah. I've seen a video of part of his press conference, and I was wondering what Sid was going on about. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, I, saw, I saw somebody, one of the, the England-based uh, members of this this WhatsApp group, mentioning about Jude Bellingham that he's one of the only, or the only, um, kind of midfield players, or just one of the only England players, full stop, who he's seen in in absolutely ages, if not ever who is happy to show for the ball and is equally happy to show for the ball whether he's being marked or not. And it reminded me of Messi, where he will show for the ball and he'll say, give it to me. And it doesn't matter whether he's got two guys right on his back. Mm. And it reminded me in particular of a moment in the second half of, of today's match where he received the ball around halfway, maybe a bit inside Argentina's half, turned almost directly into an Australian challenge mm. and the guy in my head is twice the size of Messi and fully <laughs> wrapped his arm around Messi's chest right. and Messi as he turned did this kind of wriggling motion and suddenly was no longer encased in this mm. bloke's arms <laughs> knocked it past the next Australian guy who was immediately behind the first one and then knocked it through the legs of a third one before laying it off to I think Julian Alves yeah, incredible. Um, incredible. who then set up I think by this point Alejandro Garnacho was on the pitch because mm. obviously I got up for the second half because I just wanted to see Garnacho I need to hear your impressions of Garnacho after the, after we do Messi um, we need to do Garnacho well remind me in a few minutes and I'll give you them but okay. I mean I, I just I thought this is I mean A it's just it's classic Messi it is what we have mm. been seeing from Messi now for the last decade and a half and I thought this guy has been doing this for a decade and a half yeah. I don't know how old the Australians who were marking him were I apologise again to our Australian listeners but I'm not sure which players it was um, but they were almost certainly younger and more athletic than him, and yet uh, I would question the more athletic bit actually, because for all of the stuff about how short he is and how dumpy he is and how he might have a bit of a <laughs> propensity to start putting on weight once he stops playing and stuff, he is ripped. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. And is is more than capable of shrugging off those challenges, but he's also still somehow still doing it with the ball glued to his shoelaces I mean it is it defies cartoonish logic. the amount of, of defies logic yeah 
Um, well, it's, it's the typical play in which you don't know whether he will do what he will do, but yeah. he, he was said a lot of times that he can even uh, play with the rival knowing what he will do, but do it anyway. And I, I always, I mean, I, I go back here to, I saw him in a very early match in his career. Um, I, I backpacked around Spain in 2007, towards the beginning of the 2007-08 season. So it was early enough in his career that the first match that I saw him in was the match after what turned out to be Ronaldinho's last Barcelona game. So I'd gone along to this game, excited to see the two of them together. 2007? Yeah, right. at the very, as I just said, sorry, 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 sorry. Listening, at the very beginning of our season, uh, in September 2007, I went along to the Camp Nou and I was excited about seeing Ronaldinho mm. and Messi, who obviously I already knew who he was because I was already following Argentine football by that point. Um, and I think it was the morning before that, Ronaldinho had turned up late to training or something and Rijkaard had basically gone, no, you're <laughs> off. This was, you know, we now know that what Rijkaard had done was cut Ronaldinho out of the team because he was afraid of the influence Ronaldinho's partying was going to have on yeah. very, very young Messi. Um, and in the first game, which was at Camp Nou, they were 1-0 down to Sevilla. Very late on, Messi scored two goals and ended up winning 2-1. And in the second game, um, I had gone to Valencia in the meantime. Lovely city. Fantastic. Beautiful city. Go to Valencia fantastic. if you get the chance. It's, yes. it's a great place. And Levante were playing at home to Barcelona. So I went along and got a, few, got a couple of tickets. No, I didn't. I got one ticket. What am I talking about? A couple. Why would you get a couple for one guy? I would have paid for a couple, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I got a ticket. I was in the seventh row of the stand, mm-hmm. right behind the corner flag, that Barcelona, on their right wing, were attacking for the first half, which meant Lionel Messi was running straight towards me <laughs> for that whole first half. And... Every time he got the ball, this is where I'm going to tie back to what Andres was just saying about how not knowing what he's going to do at times. At that point in his career, every time he got the ball, he knew what he was going to do. The left back knew what he was going to do. Every single person in the stadium knew what Lionel Messi was going to do. And could any of them stop it happening? Could they fuck? Every single time he got the ball, you could see the left back's face and he was just thinking, not again, please not again. And then Messi would do it. Um, he set up a hat-trick for Thierry Henry in the first half and then in the second half when he was way over on the other side of the pitch from me he scored a goal himself about six or seven minutes into the half mm. and then immediately got substituted and I went that was 30 <laughs> euros very well spent indeed and kind of switched off. I think Barca won 4-0 they, they scored four anyway I can't remember whether it was 4-0 or 4-1 or something but the evolution from that player early in his career where you knew exactly what he was going to do but you couldn't stop it and you knew full well that the fullback marking of course we can't stop it anyway but the person marking can't stop it either to now where he's you know things like the, the assist for Noel Molina against the Netherlands at the World Cup where it just comes out of absolutely nowhere you know he's seen almost, that almost that, before anyone else that famous no look pass that you don't never know or you don't know how he imagined that they mm. play but he knew that Molina was there and that this is it exactly um, I think that's been the kind of the most exciting part of the evolution and for it to happen without him actually as it turns out as we'd always predicted him dropping really deep into midfield and becoming this orchestrator and pinging long passes over from the centre circle and basically being immobile he's still very mobile indeed he's still doing all of that stuff we should say as well that I think part of that is down to football being very different 
to when we started recording. Yeah. Because you just don't get mobile creative uh, defensive midfielders anymore. Mm-hmm. So, but I think Messi could make it work anyway. If he so chooses. Yeah. Against Croatia. could go until 50. Croatia. Yeah. You know, Bellingham apparently has taken number five at Madrid, so maybe. Against Croatia in the semi-finals of the World Cup. Uh, taking Guardiola, I think it was, to dance mm. uh, before Julian yeah. Alvarez mm. scored the third, the third goal. I think that has to do with the happiness he had because that things of, of their defender uh, like being uh, dribbled by him is it's not happening so often. Mm. often. But when it happens, it's, I think that has to do with his, uh, uh, of course, happiness and, and how comfortable he is. You can tell he loves doing it. Like we've all seen the videos in his back garden with his kids and his dog. You know, he's playing against a dog and five-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and he still just loves running rings around him when he can. He's just a guy who loves having the ball at his feet and doing stupid things. And long may it continue, even if it has to be in Miami. Mm. And speaking as I just was of an exciting young attacker in his early. Early stage of his career, you asked me for my opinion on Garnat. Garnat, yes. Uh, honestly, didn't think it was that good. He seemed the the Argentine press are all over him, and they're all going, "Oh, it was incredible!" You know, it's the birth of a legend. And mm. I have been, I've seen every performance he's put in for Manchester United this season, and I think he will have been a little bit frustrated with himself personally. I feel like his head was just running an absolute mile a minute. Yeah. He, I think. I reckon if you ask him five years down the line, what do you remember about your debut? He will not be able to tell you a single thing because he was just in a complete haze for me. Like the, he, had, he did have a shot that broke the ball. Uh, from did, just I didn't see that. I must say. He had a shot that got blocked by the defender and um, looped over. and then mm. so I think it was uh, Marcos Acuna got hold of it afterwards and was like, this, the ball's gone flat. <laughs> they had to replace the ball. I mean, that's something, yeah. But he, he came on, he replaced Nicolas Gonzalez on the left wing uh, with 16 minutes to go. I he, did like he his... He all right. He wasn't poor. But there was a little bit of... You know, for, for Manchester United, one of the, the sort of differences he's made late on in matches is coming on and just being very, very direct, yeah. which Marcus Rashford certainly is as well in that same position, mm. but in a slightly different way. Um, and that, that little bit of a, a spark and close control dribbling with the ball yeah. combined with his pace is fantastic. But I felt like he was just trying to, as you said, his head was going too quickly. He it's was like trying to, seven gears too high. He was possibly. trying to force things a bit yeah. too much because he was a little bit excited. And I wonder whether, in a way, presumably, certainly it's, it's what everyone here seems to be expecting, he's going to be starting against Indonesia on Monday. Mm. Um, and whether that might just, when it's not his debut anymore, he'll be a little bit more relaxed. He can do the whole warm-up, he can get used exactly. to the team, yeah. Especially if I liked plays. his positioning. I liked his positional awareness. It felt like every time... The kind of the camera panned out. It was him directly against the right back, and if he just got the jump, because he's fucking quick as well. Yeah, it's impressive. If he just got the jump, he was going to be an absolute pain in the ass. Yeah, I think it just wasn't his day. A little bit anxious, a little bit over eager, and didn't come off for him. But very much looking forward to to seeing him in the next game, and hopefully he can just. Calm down a little bit. Yeah, he, he will do. He will do. I think he will, yeah. Especially I think if he plays more. The talent's minutes. there. Absolutely. Perhaps if he, if he plays uh, an entire half, yeah. 45 minutes, I yeah. think. Perhaps it's better for him because 20 minutes, yes, of course, he wants to show everything 
in, in perhaps the first play he hmm. he's in, in the match. Plus, presumably as well, he knew that Messi was going on holiday after this match already. And, you know, it's, it's, it, <laughs> and the position says it's unlikely because the the talk here is that he's going to feature against Indonesia as well, and then that he's going to play Argentina's first World Cup qualifier or some part of it against Ecuador uh, because they have to cap him because of his age. They have to cap him three times in order to tie him down and mean that he can't change to Spain. I heard today that now, after this first cap, you can't play for any other nation for three years. Is that correct? It might be. But certainly, if he wants to, he could theoretically still change to Spain. If he wanted to wait the three years, he could, yeah. Whereas if he plays on Monday and then plays against Ecuador, he won't be able to. Mm -hmm. Um, He won't be able to change nationality. Unless Argentina in a Yugoslavia-style situation, is no longer becomes no longer a nation, in which case he'll be able to change. We'll see what happens in the next elections, because it's not, <laughs> it's not completely out I, of um, out can, of the question. I can I assure you that any topicality to that comment that I made, uh, if, if that was taken as topical humour, it was entirely accidental. Um, but, yeah, what I was saying was, it's very unlikely, given that one of the matches he's going to have to play will be a competitive World Cup qualifier, but in his head, he might have even just been thinking, this might be the only time I ever get to share a pitch with Lionel Messi. Yeah, so I've got to do let's show him what I can do. Yeah. And, and one thing I did know was that as soon as the full-time whistle went, Messi went straight over. I think they must have been standing quite close together, but they were, yeah. obviously gave, gave him a hug and, and said, you know, good game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of thought, I wonder whether that's part of the you know, charm assault that the others clearly... <laughs> Lavishing upon Ganacho at the moment, <laughs> given his his standing and, and his uh, dual nationality, um, but yeah, it's it's been interesting to to see some some of that stuff during this week as well in the build up to the game, the stuff about how he said, "Look, I was born in Spain, and I played for the Spanish um, under under twenty or well, under twenty one. I don't know why UEFA does under twenty one, but the rest of the world does under twenty. But anyway, mm. played for Spain under twenty one or under eighteen or something. Under like that. no, it must be under eighteen. Must be under eighteen, yeah. isn't it? Um, but I've always been Argentine, and a photo has turned up of him, age clearly aged about yes, four he, or five or something. In an he's playing at this this thing of the three matches is not necessary because yeah, exactly. But obviously, and 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 rightly, Scaloni wants to make sure he plays those three matches as soon as he can now, um, so that he isn't given any choice. Uh, but yeah, I, I so as I said, I thought that he was yeah, all right, you know. Yeah, over eager, obviously. but I think he's got the right idea. Yeah. Just needs to like, polish it out. A and, bit. and obviously, having spent the last year now watching him whenever I can, mm. you know, the fact that I just thought he was all right today, I'm talking by his standards. Mm. Plus, it can't be easy walking into that team. You know, world champions, clearly so tightly knit, and um, mm. everyone knows exactly what everyone's doing. But actually, that's a good um, point of the discussion to bring up which is that previous world champions, previous World Cup winners have maybe suffered a little bit. France, this last cycle, mm. not so much. Um, in fact, not at all, because they've reached the final again. Yes. But have, have suffered from a little bit too much stagnation and perhaps a little bit of resting on their laurels, right? Like, right. we were discussing, before France got to the final last year, about the fact that... Brazil in 2002 were the last defending champions to get out of the group stage before France last year. Yes. Uh, sorry, no, they weren't. Brazil in 2006 were the last defending champions to get out of the group stage. We understood, That's yeah. what I meant to say. It was understood. Italy knocked out of the group stage in 2010, mm-hmm. I think, if they made it. Yes, they did. Uh, Spain knocked out of the group stage in 2014. Germany mm-hmm. knocked out of the group stage in 2018. And then France got to the final this yes. year. 
So, Scaloni's capacity to say, yeah, okay, we've, we've won the World Cup, but now we need to start building to try to mm. challenge, at least for the next one, in an era that is going to be difficult for the national team because he still says, look, don't bet against Messi playing in the next World Cup. Mm-hmm. But Messi is continuing to say publicly, I'm not going to play in the next <laughs> World Cup. And Scaloni is going to be, you know, privately, I would imagine, is somewhere between the two. He's going to be going all out to get Messi to play in the next World Cup if he mm. can. But he's also clearly already saying, right, Di Maria, Messi, Otamendi, you know, anybody else Put above the age of, it, yeah. say, 32 at the moment, don't bet on them being there. Yeah. And he's doing the right things, I think. He's bringing in not just Garnacho, but he's also trying to introduce some some younger players and, and bring them into the fold, which I think is a good thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you don't even have to bring in that many because the vast majority of this team, if all goes well, obviously you can't count on anything in football, um, are at the age where they'll be at their peak in, mm. in the US still. Yeah. Um, the ones that weren't, the ones you just mentioned, pretty much all have natural replacements in the team, Aside from Messi, because there is no replacement for Messi, and you have to do something a bit different because he is irreplaceable. Anyway, hmm. um, but I think it's useful. Yeah, um, we can see Messi wants to play every game, but when he doesn't play, it's an opportunity. You just try out a few different systems. Um, don't know if you've seen the film Moneyball or read the book. I'm not. I'm familiar with the concept, but I yeah, don't. kind of this idea like. Um, there's no point in trying to replace a star if you haven't got the star behind you. Mm. What you have to do is replace kind of the elements that he gives you kind of so that the, the team as a whole kind of as a sum doesn't lose anything. And I think that's what Argentina basically have to do on that day when Messi says, oh, I'm tired, mate. Goodbye. And it's something that maybe Escaloni is particularly well-placed to do, having, in a way, already done it once because of Messi's fairly lengthy suspension after the 2019 Copa America. And I think I said... said, right, we're going to use this as an excuse to start building a team mm. that we can then drop Messi back into when he... I think, what was he out for? Four matches or something? Something like that. And I so think after 2018 back, as well, right? Yeah. The World Cup, he took five or six months off. Well, he retired, didn't he? Yeah, the no, that was the Copa America, I think. 2018, he only said, I'm taking some time. Yeah. So they've been thinking about it, yeah. It's kind of in the offing. Mm. We'll see. You know, it's going to require a complete rethink of how Argentina tick because Messi is so important to that. But I think the players are there. Yeah, It's not going to be the same team, but it's not going to be... I, th- I think it's, it's aided a little bit by the fact that, obviously, in last year's World Cup and in the build-up to last year's World Cup, Enzo Fernandes and Julian Alvarez both stepped up I won't say in a way that surprised us, obviously, because we follow Argentine club football as well, and maybe Enzo, the speed that it happened at was... was Not forgetting Alexis McAllister, who no one was... And McAllister, yeah. yeah. Um, They all stepped up in a way that was... But I mean, I was was highlighting those the the two ex-River guys in particular because of their relatively younger ages, because McAllister's a few years older. And it just in, in a way that was as if somebody had just pressed fast forward a little bit on their careers. Like, <laughs> if you had said, even in November last year, Julian Alvarez is going to finish joint third top scorer in the World Cup. Get the fuck out. You'd have mm. laughed in your face. Yeah. Oh, Lautaro Martinez is going to finish with 
No, um, got, he's going to score a goal in a, an important shootout, he, but he's not going to score. He any had won Copa Libertadores and uh, Copa America. Yeah. No, no one more. And now well, he, honest, he, he didn't do anything. Well, really no, those two no, guys. Was, was, well, no, the Libertadores he did, but the, the really? Copa America. Oh no, 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 no. Sorry, yeah, you're quite right. That was just before he broke it, wasn't he? He was yeah. a squad member. He was like twelve. Yeah, um, but I. I I mean, like, I, I feel like Argentina's uh, planning for the future has been aided a lot just by those two, and as you rightly say, by McAllister as well, suddenly just stepping it up that extra level. The thing is how they me. will manage with the kids that not weren't so bright mm. in the under-20s World Cup, like uh, Carboni, Sule, Luca Romero, yeah. but of course Garnacho wasn't there. That's why he's mm. now at the... Mm at the main national team because he has more experience in first division and yeah. Manchester United which is nothing, nothing not, not of course more club uh, how do they build or how they make them being uh, introduced in the in the national team not being in a hurry but at the, uh, at the, in the other hand for the World Cup they will be more prepared because they will be I assume more with more experience with years in first division so uh, you have the base. The thing is how you managed. Manage yeah, it. Exactly. yeah, I think we've got to remember above all, it's three years away, and so much can happen in three years. You know, we rewind to three years before Qatar, and you just can't imagine so many of the different ramifications <laughs> and combinations that have come out. I mean, predicting Alice McAllister, I think, was playing for Boca. In 2019, he was decent. He was alright. Would you have had him as Argentina's first choice? In, in, tw- in 2019, you wouldn't have predicted Emiliano Martinez to be the starting goalkeeper. Who? And he was 29. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. None, none of us knew who Guto Romero was, even. Yeah. If yeah. he was a player. Yeah, yeah. And we were all praying that Nicolás Otamendi wouldn't be the first choice enough. Yeah. Well, as I said... Well, the microphone was switched off earlier to Andres. I still think that the World Cup final wouldn't have gone to extra time if if, had, if, if it had been Romero and, and Licha Martinez on the pitch instead. But we'll never know. You know there we go. Um, speaking of under twenties, however, which Andres just just did with the Argentina under twenty team, we did promise you earlier that Dan would say just a few words about the under twenty World Cup. You've already mentioned Dan that Uruguay were deserved winners of the final. I have to admit that I didn't catch it. Um, but overall, tournament-wise, Uruguay in particular, your opinion in you know relatively short amount of time? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, certainly in the final, they had much the better of it against an Italy team, which just really went out to uh, to defend and spoil. From what you said, it should have been more comfortable than one 0 right? It should have been more comfortable than than one 0 Uruguay kind of took the front foot um, throughout the game. Clearly, you know the Bielsa influence. Coming through already. Um, the goal ultimately came um, four minutes from the end because, you know, this is a World Cup, this is Uruguay, and they can't win in any way other than epically. Um, Luciano Rodriguez, very useful um, midfielder, uh, kind of got the last touch on a, pin, on a pinball machine kind of goal. Mm. Just kept bouncing round and round and round from a corner. And he, he managed to poke it in. Um, then it got a little, little bit messy at the end. Um, I think if it wasn't at under-20 level, 
Italy would definitely have uh, finished with a red card or two at the end because they just went out to kick um, in the final minutes. But no, really good. Really, really good from Uruguay. Um, they, you know, didn't let Italy have a single shot in tar- on target for, for the entire game, the entire final. Um, got some really good results on, on the way. I think they'd lost their first game to England, right? Yes. In that World no, Cup? They lost their second game 3-2 to England. They lost their second game to England, uh, but came back really strong, knocked out the US, who who looked a very, very decent tip for the um, for the title. They absolutely creamed the, the opposition. Um, and these Israel, the, the surprise, surprise of the... And then got past Israel, yeah. I think the only only team to, to beat Israel who got... Who, not Brazil out, of all people. Yeah. It was absolutely insane. Mm. Um, so, yeah, congratulations, Israel, as well. Just fantastic campaign for them. Um, and, yeah, not much, not much else to say. Um, we saw, you know, a glimpse of the future Uruguay have in a, in a friendly they held... Last night, um, at home to Nicaragua, uh, Marcelo Bielsa's first game in charge. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, obviously, none of the under-20 kids. They're playing Cuba on Monday or Tuesday, I believe. Yeah, yes. Very possibly. Um, none of the under-20 kids were involved last night. Bielsa, in fact, picked a five-man substitute bench. Fryback. Old school. Yeah. yeah. Um, they ran out very easy winners. I think it was 4-1 in the end. And while it wasn't the under-20 team... The eldest player they had, if I look that up properly, they had a 30-year-old Guillermo Varela. Remember him? Um, but like an average age of 24, very young Uruguay squad. I remember Guillermo Varela. I'm astonished to hear he's 30 already. Yeah. He is indeed. And Palistri was desperate to score and he couldn't. No, but he had a cracking game. Really cracking game. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, so yeah looking forward to some Argentina-Uruguay clashes over the coming years I think they're yeah. going to be very very well very worth watching and watching a Bielsa manage Uruguay in the World Cup qualifiers this cycle is going to be a lot of fun mm, I mean if, if nothing else for the 180 degree turn from their tactical approach in the previous bunch of qualifiers yeah. I mean it's had two World Cup qualifying campaigns in Comedy Ball and they've both been fantastic yeah Argentina 2002 and Chile in 2010 I think he won them both right yeah or at least Chile were very close to beating mm. Brazil in 2010 I think they might finish second but yeah yeah either way mm. um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch moving on to listeners questions of which we have had just a few Derek Ryan asked these ones uh, oh he asked this one 10 days ago and then again 8 days ago so I'm not sure why we didn't ask it uh, why we didn't ask it last week because he'd asked them before that but for whatever reason I didn't see them that's strange anyway he sent me the same tweet twice we, t- we recorded early on Friday would that might, yeah, but he might has, that he be sent it? on June the 7th which is last Wednesday so last I don't, Wednesday. it just wasn't showing up in my notification yeah. last week. Um, anyway Derek apologies for not asking this last week but here we are now he says Football adjacent question. In fact, I don't think it's a question we're going to be answering this week either, but I'm going to read it out at least. I will be in Argentina for the Pumas versus Springboks game. This is rugby football. In case Winter. You're How is... I don't know. 
how is the Vélez Stadium holding up through the years? The last time I was there was 1989. Um, the good news is that it, the stands yeah. certainly aren't <laughs> suffering from overuse. <laughs> oh, indeed. Um, Vélez are not much of a crowd puller these days, sadly. Uh, yeah, I mean, no Argentine stadiums, I guess apart from River, have had significant Ooh. renovations uh, in the last 20 years. I mean, they've built one in La Plata, but apart from that, mm. and the other few that have been built in various provincial white elephant situations. That will be that this Mar del Plata project, but still not ongoing. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, Venice, it, it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's football yeah. stadium. It's still there. Accessible. Lots of bus lines that go there. There's That's a train true. station. There's, train. There's not yeah. a subte, still. Yeah. Frankly, ridiculously, but anyway. Um, we have had a mention from some uh, account called Football on this day, on June the 10th, mentioning that Valdano and Burruchaga scored a 2-0 victory over Bulgaria and Mexico City, so thank you for that. Tell us to keep sending them and we can make extras out <laughs> Tommy Buendia says, who's got the best head of hair in the top flight this year? A subject close to my heart. So I'd run my hands through, or try to run my hands through my hair, but I've got a set of earphones on, so I can't. I'm sure we've had this question before, or yes, I have sorry. commented it before. Ignacio Macorra, the mullet man himself, yeah. lead best assister in the whole of the Liga Profesional. Ruben Darria in Sua has, has got a pretty nice yes. warp as well, if we're talking managers. It's definitely between Macorra. Let's say Macorra for the players' yeah. prize and in Sua for the, for the managers' prize. Yeah, that's a nice quick one to answer. And Darren says... Uh, tell us a bit about Maxi and Riquelme. Well, I'm not sure why he's put this in quotes, but he's put testimonials in quotes. Can you think of any other players who can go seven years without playing and won't have lost a single yard of pace? Uh-huh. I'm glad Darren has brought this up because we Messi. completely forgot about Messi's the biggest news of the week. Riquelme's testimonial. <clears throat> Riquelme's having a testimonial on top of that. Yeah. I think eight years after his last Boca game. Yeah. <laughs> As I... And if it weren't for the fact that he's already confirmed that Lionel Messi will be playing in it, I would put money on him being the best for it, best player on the pitch. Wasn't he... oh, it's going to be insane. It's at the Bombonera, obviously. Won't he be on vacation? Me- uh, Messi or Mikel? Messi, Messi. <laughs> well, they, there's been a picture taken of Messi with a Boca Messi 10 shirt. Mm. And Mikel said, said yesterday, yeah. It, so <laughs> apparently it's going to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, normally I would not bother to watch... Pre-season friendlies, testimonials, whatever. But for that one, I think I might make an exception, especially if they're playing on opposite teams and we get to watch them just both doing their own thing. Oh, it's going to be insane. Like, seriously, like, oh, no, I, I don't know whether I could. I seriously think the ticket queue is going to be up there with <laughs> what we saw for um, the the first friendly back in the yeah, Monumental after the World Cup, mm. and possibly even even rivaling Taylor Swift, I who I am say, reliably informed is a singer. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so thank you. Uh, Maxi's testimonial. I mean, they're not test. They're farewells. They're called farewells in Argentine football. I don't think they give money to anyone. So testimonial wouldn't be because uh, testimonial implies there's some sort of charity behind it, right? Uh, no. I always thought that was part of the testimonial. They do a game and then the proceeds go to charity, which won't be the case now. The proceeds go no, I mean, that's, to that's, Rick Elmay and Boca. That's often how it works with at least British teams doing it, but it doesn't. No, yeah, but that's what I, you know, testimony was a uniquely British word for that yeah. kind of game. Yeah, that's what yeah. I say. So farewell is um, the correct word, I think. 
David Novoshevsky says, in reply to Tommy's tweet, Tommy's question, uh, El Gashego from San Lorenzo, and it's not even close. Is El Gashego in Sua? Yes. It yeah. is. Excellent. In yeah. that case, David, I've, I've just retweeted you, but <laughs> unknowingly, you've given the same answer that we did about two minutes after we gave it. Um, so yeah. thank you for tweeting that one. Uh, and that's all the questions. Yeah. So now, we're going to go on to, you guessed it, Mystic Sam. Okay, right after I pressed to stop recording that little bit so that I could put that theme music in, uh, Dan pointed out to me that there are very few matches indeed this weekend. I had not realised this, but there are... Yeah, basically we've got a week off for some reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, ostensibly the FIFA break, but the FIFA break. it affects so few teams, but I'm not sure that's the actual reason. In any rate, for this reason, here's a chance to tell you, we've just decided that we're going to be recording the next episode in two weeks' time, because if we record next week, we're going to have two and a half matches to talk about and there's not an awful lot to do so in the next couple of days Union hosts Lanús in a delayed 14th round match and I'm predicting that that's going to be a draw and Racing hosts Vélez in a delayed 17th round match and I think that that's going to be a Racing win also I don't have the date for this one uh, because sofa score isn't showing in but I'm told by these two that River will be hosting Defensa y Justicia in the remaining 64 or 65 minutes or so of the clash that was called off a week and a half ago due to a fan uh, dying, as we mentioned last week, in the Monumental. And I think that River will end up winning that. It's nil-nil after 25-ish minutes that have been played so far. That will be played in two halves of 30... 32 and 33 and minutes. minutes or something, yeah. <laughs> 32 and 33. And then... Uh, in just over a week's time there is a round of matches which as Dan points out in fact in just under a week's time because as Dan points out it's going to start on Wednesday next week and then stretch through until Monday of the week after in case you weren't already confused enough and here are my predictions for that Estudiantes versus San Lorenzo I think will be a draw nil-nil if you want my exact result uh, sticking my neck out there I know Tigre versus Vélez Sarsfield is a draw as well. I think Central Córdoba versus Gimnasia will be a Gimnasia win. Racing to beat Barraca Central. Ooh, am I predicting back-to-back -back wins for Racing? I think I am. River to beat Instituto. Godoy Cruz versus Boca Juniors I think will be a draw. I think that Huracán versus Newells will be a draw. I think Argentinos will beat Defensa y Justicia in La Paternal. I think Union versus Independiente will be an Union win, and I don't think that anybody should watch that game if they can avoid doing so. Uh, Lanús versus Tacheres, I'm going to go for a Tacheres win. Arsenal will lose at home to Platense. Rosario Central versus Colón is a draw. Sarmiento will beat Atletico Tucumán. That feels risky. <laughs> and Belgrano versus Banfield, I think it's going to be a Banfield win. So a couple of wins for teams who are struggling in the relegation zone is what I appear to have predicted, but we shall see what happens. As I've just said, we will be back with you in a couple of weeks' time, so don't expect anything from us next week, although we might meet up anyway to record a couple of Handapod Extras. Who knows? Uh, for now, thank you very much and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. English Dan. Goodbye. And me. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>